Hello all and welcome to episode 15 of The Real Spotlight. I'm your host Manya, alongside Tony. Now, Tony, it's only been a few days since our last recording, but man, has a lot happened. So, with that said, we have a packed episode for you guys, starting with the DCEU shakeup. We'll also be reviewing season one of Andor, the newest Disney Plus live-action Star Wars show. And we'll also be discussing Tony's real recommendation from our previous episode, which was Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And right after that, I'll give you guys his real recommendation for next week. Speaking of Raiders of the Lost Ark, (laughs) my wife listened to, she always listens to it when it drops. So we (laughs) love her support. She was like me, shocked that you had not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Trust me, I think everyone is when they, like when I'm talking to somebody and they're a movie fan and I tell them I haven't seen it, like their jaw just drops. I remember my sister's boyfriend gave both me and my sister so much hell for never seeing it. Seeing it so. <laughs> After the podcast, did you like rush to watch it or did you wait a couple of days? So... <laughs> Remember how we talked about how I was sick last week? I've been falling asleep super, super early because I'm like still fatigued from that. So I didn't watch it till yesterday night, but but I did stay awake from it. So I'm glad I wait. I waited. (laughs) We'll get to all that good stuff. I'm dying to hear what you thought, (laughs) but let's dive into this DC shakeup that happened recently. <laughs> yeah shake up franchise turnover a, a lot happened a lot was said a lot was put out these rumors of possible shakeup and franchise turnover came out last week and this shocked the comic book and movie lovers uh, james gunn did take to twitter to respond to these alleged rumors why don't we let everybody know what were the rumors that had james gunn go to twitter <laughs> right away Yeah, of course. Um, So there's a few, starting with Wonder Woman 3 not moving forward, Black Adam 2 unlikely after box office failure, Man of Steel 2 still up in the air, Aquaman 2 could could be Jason Momoa's last entry, and lastly, Superman cameo in The Flash and Batman cameo in Aquaman 2 removed from current cuts of the movie. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I was reading a few articles, and of course, I ran to Twitter to check (laughs) out his tweets but i did read an article that gun said responding to henry cavill being or not reprising his role as superman in the possible turnover gun says some of it is true some of it is half true some of it is not true <laughs> and some of it we haven't decided yet whether it's true or not so i know that, the last part that, cracked me up <laughs> that totally makes sense coming from him but he also tweeted out We know we're not going to make every single person happy every step of the way, but we can promise everything we do is done in the service of the story and in the service of the DC characters. We know you cherish and we have cherished our whole lives. And in another tweet, he does go on to say, although this first month that DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time and we're just beginning. If you're a hardcore fan of DC, you're probably like a sad, but also thinking in the back of your mind, I trust this man, and I know that what he's doing, it may take some time, but in the long run, we may come out on top of this, quote, comic book war against Marvel. Yeah, uh, you actually summed up how I felt perfectly. I, As somebody who loves DC heroes so much, a part of me is sad that we won't get to see, we potentially might not get to see continuations of some of these characters as we know right now. 
But at the same time, starting with a clean slate, I feel like is the right way to go. And I understand why they're doing this because, again, just erasing everything and starting fresh might just be the best way to go about this. Yeah, and I I think the biggest shocker that people are pointing to is the Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. being scrapped. I love the first one. It's, It's my favorite DCEU movie. The second one, people absolutely hate i didn't hate it i still enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i think it was ridiculous i think the cheetah was a ridiculous villain (laughs) and some of the moments didn't make sense but i like gal gadot chris pine all that stuff and patty jenkins Mm -hmm. but i do not think that he's gonna go you know what no more wonder woman well, I, I I can't believe he's. Gonna yeah, so I actually because I was shocked about that one, too. And just like you, I didn't hate the second one. I actually own it on 4K. <laughs> but another thing is like, that's a movie that came out right fresh out of the pandemic. We, yeah. I was not expecting it to be just as good as the first one. And like you said, the first one is one of, it's, if not my favorite DCEU movie might be like my second favorite. I don't know. But I read a lot on this and apparently they didn't like patty jenkins's script for the third one yeah and she walked out on the project so they asked her to rewrite it and she was like nope i'm out (laughs) so i don't think it's end of gal gadot by the looks of it there's gonna be a third one just not written by patty jenkins or directed by her it will be interesting to say the least the one that's more likely to be true would is the black adam too i think you want that to be true Uh, did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was a guest on a podcast this past week called Back to the Blockbuster. And we talked about the box office of Black Adam too. They asked me if I considered it a flop or a failure. And I think considering that you have, quote, the biggest movie star in the world, that movie star with his hundreds of millions of followers promoting it nonstop. I mean, for years now. And you cannot make more than $67 million the first weekend. I think that's a big letdown and massive disappointment. I think if there is a Black Adam in the future, he'll probably be like a supporting role or like a Justice League kind of mm-hmm. thing. I don't think we'll see a solo one in the near future. Man of Steel 2, I just feel bad for Henry Cavill. He makes this ginormous announcement of I'm back as Superman. He leaves the Witcher. And now this is now this possible shakeup. Again, I don't see James Gunn going, now, nah, you know what? Let's just scrap Superman too. <laughs> it's just, well, I don't see that. I don't see him not focusing on Superman and Wonder Woman in the for the future of DC. Right. I just don't know if he's going to start like from scratch, fresh with new casting and all that stuff or... Yeah, that's the part where I'm like a little confused about because clearly they're gonna gonna make these major characters available to fans again. I just again I don't know if it's gonna continue where they left off or but also he's like the king of highlighting these smaller comic book characters. That's also true. Yeah. Like I didn't I know mean, who Peacemaker was or like <laughs> Yeah, all yeah. these little in the his suicide squad, you're like, what? What is this? And like yeah. He made Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, I have no idea who what that is. Mm-hmm. And he and now they're some of the biggest names in Marvel and you know the MCU. I know that in the future movies we're gonna see a lot of characters. People will be like going to Wikipedia, like who is this? 
Yeah. <laughs> and he'll he'll make it great. I mean, everything he's touched comic book wise. Well, not everything because Guardians 2 I wasn't a fan of, but everything else has been really good. I still like Guardians 2. I get it. I get it, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, but a news I'm actually very sad about is Aquaman 2 could be Jason Momoa's last entry. Because let me tell you, as much as Aquaman gets shit, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. And he yeah. just made one of the dorkiest characters of all time. Badass. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think the reason why this might be his last appearance as Aquaman, because I did read some rumors and an article saying that he's going to be Lobo. Have you heard of the character Lobo? I have not, no. <clears throat> so according to Wiki, Lobo, whose nickname is the main man, described to be the most badass bounty hunter in the galaxy. All right, so I'm actually looking up a photo right now, and I am on board with that. I can I can definitely see Momoa playing that. Although he's like hopping characters in the same DC world, so I don't know. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, but yeah. I think this would be more of a character in his wheelhouse, badass mm-hmm. bounty hunter. He doesn't have to be getting wet in the water. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> he could focus. So I mean, that's that's gonna be uh, something to look out for. And also a perfect example, like you said, James Gunn focusing more on the characters that are lesser known. Let me just finish this little discussion on these rumors. I just feel like sometimes everybody goes insane for no reason. <laughs> like somebody puts this out and then it's flooded on Instagram and Twitter. And within minutes, you see people making posts about it without an actual source or confirmation of the story. Wait until you see somebody verified or a source that's verified to say, yeah, these are true. Now, well, let's just go and go. If go it's on the internet, it's true. <laughs> so I always find that pretty funny and kind of sad at the same time. Well, at this point, since these are all just alleged rumors, we know very little. All we can do is wait and see. And I, I messaged this to you, Tony, when you posted something about James Gunn and I said, and James Gunn, we trust. So, yeah, I, I trust it's going to do the right thing. Yeah, why don't we get to our main event of this episode? <laughs> and that is the newest Star Wars live action show, Andor. Oh, now, man. I w- we were supposed to talk about this last week. We couldn't because of me. I was sick. I was dying to talk about it. So, I'm, I'm still like so, so excited <laughs> for this segment we're doing. Yeah, we were planning on recording this episode for Andor. I think like a week after Thanksgiving. And I think you hadn't even started the show. And I kept reminding you, like not reminding you, but like asking you, have mm-hmm. you started the show yet? Like she's like, no, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm good. And then <laughs> once you started, you're like, I can't stop. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, I had, I think five days to catch up. <laughs> and once I started, I just, I could not stop. And I think you said your wife kind of went through the same thing too, right? Like she started the show and before you knew it, she was already halfway done with it. She had the flu and mm. that's when she was like, what to watch? And then I think she watched like six episodes the first day. <laughs> she, was, yeah. she was in bed and she couldn't do anything. Um, I, I watched four episodes in one sitting. Like which is first. which is pretty good because there's some that are like 30 minutes, some that are like mm-hmm. 40. There's a few that are 50 minutes. Also going to do a mullet review. We're going to talk non-spoiler for a bit. 
and then we're going to get into spoiler discussion. But like we did in the previous episodes, we'll add the timestamps in the description in the episode. That way you can go, okay, they're talking spoilers. Let me forward it. We'll give you a three-second warning to pause and then forward. So let's talk Endor. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Andor. It's created by Tony Gilroy. He wrote Rogue One. And he also was an uncredited director of the reshoots for, for Rogue One. Gilroy also wrote the movies Armageddon, the first four Jason Bourne movies, and Michael Clayton. So Andor is the fourth live action series for Star Wars and Disney+. Plus. First one, The Mandalorian. Massive hit. Everybody loves it. Second one, Boba Fett. Eh. And Obi-Wan, a double eh. <laughs> Currently, Andor has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. For those who have not seen Andor, we'll just give you a little synopsis of the season. It's a prequel series to the Star Wars Rogue One in an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue. Cassie and Andor will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. Now, Manya, you are a self-proclaimed not big fan of Star Wars. It's not that I'm not a big fan. I just, my knowledge on it is not all that great. I haven't seen all the movies. I can't sit here and say, oh yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan, even though I have nothing against it. Whatever I've seen, I've really liked. So yeah. no, 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 I'm not, yeah. I wasn't taking a shot. <laughs> I was just saying that you are someone who hasn't been engrossed yeah no i haven't and not like tommy and i or quinn who yeah no absolutely yeah nothing like you guys so with that said coming from somebody who doesn't have a lot of knowledge on star wars to me this show was nearly perfect okay that's amazing to hear let me ask you um did you watch rogue one I have not, although Tommy has tried to get me to watch it so many times. <laughs> He's even tried the whole, but Mads Mikkelsen is in it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think since you watched season one, you mm-hmm. just wait till season two. Yeah, that's what he told movie. me. Yeah, that's what he told me. He was like, you could watch the movie, but wait till season two only because it's going to just, you know, go into the intro yeah. of the movie. So. Yeah, but I don't know, Tony. How are we going to have May the 4th episode of Star Wars if I can't watch Rogue One? <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, but I think season two, like Tommy told you, is correct. I think they were going to have the season two finale just connect straight into the movie. Now, let me tell you something. When I first heard the news of this show... I thought about it and I go, I wasn't excited right away because I go, okay, why? (laughs) And then the more I thought about it, the more I actually got excited because I knew that Tony Gilroy was going to be a part of it. And then I started seeing the cast and I held, I'm not religious, but I prayed that (laughs) it's going to go a different route, a darker route, a route that is not taken with these live action Star Wars show, which are more 
in tuned for little kids, you know, the Boba Fett's the even though the Boba Fett had a few more mature scenes, but and Obi-Wan, it's all about making sure kids can see it. You know, these first few minutes of Ando, you're like, this is not a kid show. This is a more no, serious he's like, he's not a thriller <laughs> spy. That's what makes this show or this season of, of Andor so special. Since you never saw Rogue One, this was your f- first encounter with Andor or Diego Luna yeah, as I, his character. I didn't even know he was in Rogue One. Like, not, like, I didn't know Diego Luna was actually in Rogue One because... I thought it was kind of like a Mandalorian thing where it's like a new character introduced completely. That's what I thought this was going to be like. But no, and you know, I 100% agree with you that for the first time I was watching a Disney Plus show. I'm not talking about just Star Wars, just Disney Plus show in general, where I felt like it didn't feel like a Disney Plus show. It was very mature, like you said like stuff happened in there that if I had kids I would be like that's not okay for you to watch so um like you said and just from that first five minutes of episode one you kind of get the feel of what the show is going to be like and I think that's what sold me just the way it was shot just the way the story went down I was like let's go I am sold (laughs) with Rogue One it was the first time I saw as a fan the underbelly of the criminal activity of these Star Wars towns or little cities. And I love seeing new places, new characters. We don't get to rely on seeing old characters. We only see like two or three from the movie. It's, I don't want to keep, I don't want to take shots on <laughs> the other shows, but Boba Fett and Obi-Wan were massive. The bigger disappointment was Obi-Wan because that's the one Disney Plus show I was the most excited for. And it was, it broke my heart. And as a person who has been a fan since the 80s, I'm tired of seeing and talking about Tatooine. Let's get (laughs) over it already. I don't want to see Tatooine anymore. That's why this was, and there was a breath of fresh air because we're seeing these new places we've never heard of. I mean, we do go to Coruscant. But in Coruscant, we go to places we've never seen before. Again, Mm -hmm. like the ghetto part or the more, you know, dangerous, seedy places, which is great. Yeah, this felt like the Gotham City of Star Wars (laughs) universe. Yeah, the Coruscant, that part Mm -hmm. felt like Gotham. Yeah, because you're like, hmm, does anybody just get shot? Yeah. As far as non-spoiler part, because I have a lot to say. I just don't, I can't talk about it while we're doing non-spoiler. But as far as like the music was really good in this, I thought the way it was written was also noticeably very smart. I never once felt like this was written for someone like younger or more coming of age to understand. Are you trying to say this is not for stupid people? Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) Uh, honestly the way it was written it kind of reminded me of game of thrones at times like they had a lot of um like little metaphorical sayings and just again very smart so i i love that i was all about it i want to see more of that yeah you say game of thrones and then of course we have that guy who plays major Particas. he's played played by uh anton lesser who is kyburn in Game of Thrones. And he also comes out in 1899. 
That's right. So <laughs> it was funny because, was... yeah, I watched 1899. And I watched this right after and I was like, this guy's in everything. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like Giancarlo Esposito. You just see him in every show. <laughs> um, we also, from Game of Thrones, we have Vel, who is uh, Faye Marseille. She's the character <laughs> from the Faceless Men who stabs Arya in season six. That's, she's, <laughs> oh my God. She's playing, I... Yeah. The whole time I was watching the scenes with her in there, I was so distracted because I thought she looked so much like Aaron Taylor Johnson. And I have a side by side. I have to tell, I have to send it to you, Tony. But I was so distracted by that. I didn't even realize that she was that girl in Game of Thrones. That's really interesting. I need to say something real quick before we get into more of a our non-spoiler talk. <laughs> we have a character called Cyril, who works for the Empire. He's kind of like a lieutenant or a, I forgot what, he's like an officer. He <laughs> he is so devoted to his job. Like, he is all about the Empire. He wants, like, this dude, like, if you are an employer, this is the employee you want. He does everything to the T. The guy goes home. <laughs> <laughs> he goes home back to Coruscant. And then we are introduced to probably the most annoying mother in the history of Star Wars or maybe any show, but not annoying in a bad way. Like she was so good being annoying. She was hilarious. Honestly, her scenes cracked me up because, yeah, she was actually very annoying. But at the same time, she was such a delight to watch. Yeah, because all she did was put her son down. It's like, oh, like, but in the way, like, it wasn't like, silly remarks like it was so clever it was spitting facts tony okay yeah. well let's give a shout out. her name is Catherine hunter and she played Edie karn and all you see online is like it's the worst mother in star wars history not worse but anyway i just had to give her a little shout yeah. out yeah like i honestly as annoying as she was her scenes cracked me up and i thought they added the right amount of comedic relief to the show let me just give you the cast real quick just like these are there's there's a huge cast i just want to highlight some of the bigger characters there are some characters towards the end i will not say because that's more of a spoiler i want you to i want those who have not seen the show to be surprised i don't want you but oh tony spoiled it for us Mm -hmm. because it is a nice surprise these are the characters that you see right away so and you see them in the trailer of course, Diego Luna is playing Cassian Andor. Stellan Skarsgård, who plays Luthen, he's great in any movie you see him. <laughs> Denise Gog, I don't know if that's the way you say her last name, so I apologize. Uh, she plays Deidre, a great character. Then we mentioned Faye Marseille, who plays Vel. Fiona Shaw, Marva, who we all know from Harry Potter, Petunia. She's Aunt Petunia. <laughs> um, she was absolutely incredible on in this show when she came on screen i was like it's on petunia you know that yeah. um leonardo meme with him yeah. pointing that was me <laughs> lastly for the main characters is genevieve o'reilly yes mon mothma and she's uh reprising her role from rogue one so i'm actually glad you read that out because i wanted to mention how casting people did a great job with this because every character looks 
like they have the characteristics they're written to have like their looks match i mean i know that's what their job is to find yeah. actors that, but this one was done so well and there's a character you mentioned uh deidre that her actress like just her facial expressions and just her demeanor how she carries it it's just so it's i know that character so well because of i feel like the actress they cast it. yeah She's one of the standouts because this is the first time we see a, quote, competent officer who is doing her job. We don't, we're not feeling sympathy for the Empire, but we get to see all the nuts and bolts mm-hmm. of the behind the scenes of stuff we've never seen in a Star Wars movie because, you know, there's no time for that. You know, you, you see them trying their best to to keep this, I guess, dictatorship going (laughs) regime over the galaxy and it it shows you how many people are involved and are willing to go along with the empire's atrocities you know even for the smallest slice of a personal gain like there's so many of these people in these meetings and you know they're like oh they're they're all stabbing each other in the back just to make themselves look better all those meetings are about oppressing people (laughs) How do how do we keep these people in line? And that's how these stories come to play in the show. Like the first, I don't know if you noticed, you probably did, but like there was like a three, three episode arcs. And I thought it worked beautifully because it wasn't like, oh, we're going to talk about this mission for the whole 12 mm-hmm. episodes. That would have been <laughs> so boring. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. Like, I'm actually shocked that I've heard some people say this show bored them because the way it was structured, it didn't allow allow the audience to get bored. It just didn't give them time to, you know, have filler episodes or anything like that. It was just like boom, 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 back to back, one arc after another. So, let me yeah. just say something about that. I'm not gonna say you don't have the right to say it's boring. <laughs> but I'm going to bet a farm I don't have that these people are upset that we didn't get to see lightsabers or Darth Vader show up (laughs) or all these cameos or Tatooine. (laughs) Let me, let me ask you this as somebody who is a huge star Wars fan, would you say the star Wars fan base is toxic? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you go to my post of the last? Jedi. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, yeah, that that could be a whole episode. Um, <laughs> toxic fan bases. I I think this is the first show that I was invested in the dialogue when it comes to Star Wars. Because Star Wars more is a hero. It's fantasy. It's it's fun, and this is more like a spy thriller. And I was actually glued to. You know, the conversations about the behind the scenes of trying to get through the empire with Luthen and like all those conversations that Mothma had, you know, seeing these episodes, seeing this dialogue and scheming behind the empire's back by Mothma, Luthen, I was just like sitting up in my chair, like, holy shit, I cannot believe I'm watching Star Wars. You know, compared to like the prequels, when they talk about taxes. <laughs> And all this imperial or like empire talk, you're bored out of your mind. You're kind of like, I, I need rope. <laughs> I just hang myself 
because it's so tedious and boring. And here's a show that it's exciting you. Like, I want to see the next episode. Oh, my God. For me, the best part of the show was not like the action. It was all these little conversations and the dialogue that surprised me the most and I loved the most. And uh, all the scenes in Mothma's house. My God, is it me? Or that was like the most gorgeous set ever. <laughs> yeah, she she plays it. And it's crazy how she s- resembles the original. Uh, yes, I saw pictures. Tommy showed me pictures. And I was like, I think she was born to play this role. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. This show is about the storytelling. It's deep. It's layered. It's all about all the great performances, I think. I mean, it's and it's all set in the backdrop of the Empire where the Empire is reigning supreme. That's where they were at the height of their power. This is the most grounded Star Wars has ever been. I'm shocked this is not more popular with, quote, Star Wars fans. Because even though it's critically acclaimed for critics, and the audience score is pretty good, Mm-hmm. I don't see the hardcore fans like yapping about it like they should be. Yeah, I think I've only seen like three people talk about this yeah. on Instagram and that's it, which is shocking to me. Yeah, I, I think me. <laughs> Tommy. Uh, the podcast Kyber, Kyber Culture, they, mm-hmm. they talk about it. They do a great job over there. Yeah, they, I just, I don't know. I think that's an easy show to get through also. That's part of the reason why I was so up for discussing this on the podcast. Granted, again, I don't know much about Star Wars, but it's only 12 episodes. Some of the episodes with like the intro, like the recap in the beginning and with the credits taken out, they're like 30 to 45 minutes. So it's so easy to get through it. And it again, it's it's written in such an engaging way that you just keep wanting to know what's going to happen next. There's a few moments in a particular episode I'd put in my top five all-time favorite moments of Star Wars. And that's a big thing that's, for yeah, me to that's... say. <laughs> and there are a few monologues that are mind-blowing and you cannot believe you heard it from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, um, please go watch this if you haven't. You know, this show does a stellar job in focusing on or putting the spotlight <laughs> on the kind you know characters that usually would just fade in the background in the movies uh this is not just a great star wars property or show uh for disney plus i think is one of the best shows of 2022 all right mania what would you give andor season one uh season one probably somewhere between like an 8.8 and a nine because it was just great (laughs) i know we overuse the word great right now but how about you I'm going to do a 9 out of 10. I have a serialized account for t- you know for TV. Mm-hmm. And I would just write a sentence review on there. I'm not really writing in-depth yeah. reviews for every episode. Every time I would write a little one, everything was like, I can't believe this. I'm watching a Star Wars show. <laughs> every single freaking. Yeah. Uh, it's like the most boring reviews ever because it's basically the same. I was, I was just repeating myself over and over again. So. Yes, please watch it on Disney+. Plus. Watch it if you haven't watched it yet. And if you have watched it, stick around because we're about to do a spoiler review. <laughs> For those who haven't seen the show, it is your time to put pause, <laughs> check the timestamps, and forward to when we start talking about our real recommendations. <laughs> 
But let's get to spoilers. And this is what I really wanted to talk about is because there are moments that that are so beautiful and characters that come out of nowhere that deliver dialogues and monologues (laughs) that you're like, holy shit. And uh, I've seen people share the monologue given by Skarsgård in episode 10. And I actually, Quinn was one of them who shared that. He goes, maybe I need to start watching the show. And I go, y'all think? <laughs> Hurry up and watch. Stop watching clips. Yeah. Why don't we start with this? Why don't we, not top fives, but kind of like our favorite episodes of the season. Yeah, I, I put down only three. And I feel like this is probably a very generic top three, but obviously the episode the eye was just out of this world amazing uh one way out and the episode before one way out which i think was called nobody's listening like i said none of these episodes were bad i didn't dislike any or felt bored watching any but take that as you will but those three were probably the standouts for me that had a lot of moments in there that i just loved (laughs) i think the only episode that was a three and a half on serialized was like the second one that was it and it was more of a setting up they're still setting up this world and these, these characters so i wasn't hating on it but it's a little slower mm-hmm. but i'm probably gonna like it more when i see it again yeah uh, that's my- the thing there were sorry that there were some episodes that were like you said slower but i wouldn't necessarily say i was again bored watching it or felt unnecessary everything felt like it was leading up to something but and yeah I, go on <laughs> no and i think that having 12 episodes to flesh all this out was a great idea mm-hmm. i can't imagine having again i'm not shitting on these other shows but i can't imagine having six episodes mm-hmm. like in obi-wan and boba fett mandalorian i think have six or i think eight or whatever i think it's eight yeah yeah but this one has a nice 12 which gives it more time with these characters to build them up and that's what you need and but my i'm gonna give you five top five okay (laughs) tell me (laughs) um my number five the daughters uh ferrix yeah uh, my number four is the third episode called reckoning number three is the finale which is rick's road Mm mm-hmm Number two is the I episode six, and number one is no one way out, mm-hmm. which is episode ten, and epi- and those top two episodes, frankly, is a toss up for me. Yeah, just the quality is just. I just think that. Let me just mention Andy Circus comes in like an MVP and like steals the show, and you always think about Andy Circus as a voiceover actor, mm-hmm. but this man could fucking act. <laughs> and he needs more movies like he's always a supporting guy like or he's always doing vo- voiceover he proved his chops his acting chops here because he gives him how like you want to run through the wall when he's talking at that last point because he's more of a guy who was falling in line with the empire his character he so he's like you know what? let's just do the work and I, i'm gonna be out of here anyway not realizing that it's all a trap mm-hmm and that little three episode arc, you're like, okay. And the way it's not like he goes, oh man, this sucks. I'm, let's fight the empire. No, it was more so gradual. And the way he finally turned is like, he had to see something for himself to finally change. It was beautifully planned the way they did it. At I think it was episode 
nine because they they stayed in that jail for like three mm-hmm. and a half episodes. What did you think of Andy Circus? He let's just say he's um gonna be in the list of my favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But uh no, his character was amazing. He was a force of nature, honestly. He he was a, again, this goes back to me saying all the actors casted fit their roles so perfectly. I felt like the different emotions this character felt and displayed, he, Andy Circus was the perfect casting choice for it. Because he went, like you said the strict almost dictatorship style character to fuck the empire (laughs) yeah and he played off with uh, diego luna so well oh let me just say that this show went back to shooting on location and you can you just tell the difference and them being outside i'm like showing this beautiful landscape yeah, I'm looking at my notes and funny enough, you're like, just, I feel like you can read my notes because I had that to talk about next in the episode, the eye that I turned to Tommy and I was like, oh, this is a really beautiful set they built. He's like, oh no, that's a real abandoned dam they found <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's and all they- pretty much. Yeah. I, I think what the other shows use is that volume. And I think a lot of the MCU and, and big time CGI movies do use that instead of going on on location. Another thing I noticed with this show is there's no real plot armor around characters. Like, obviously the core characters, yeah, but main characters, but not so main characters, did just, like, die. And I was like, whoa, what am I watching here again? Game of Thrones? Like, characters can just die in this show? (laughs) And, yeah, there was a character, I forgot his name, but he died in that The Eye episode. And it was just so sad, even though you've only known this character for like three episodes. Oh, um, yeah. Karis. Karis, yeah. Yeah, the kid who wrote the manifesto. Yeah, and like the thing is, I was so sure he was going to survive once they took him to the doctor. I was like, oh, he's going to be fine. (laughs) And then, no, when Cassian walks in there, the doctor's just like, I did everything I could. And they just cover him with a sheet. And I was like, damn. (laughs) For me, there's so many great moments in in this season. Let's... Let's uh, highlight a few because we could spend yeah. like an hour just going <laughs> through know. every episode. Uh, um, why don't Why don't you give me one and I'll give mm-hmm. you? Let's do like three. I wanted to highlight Marva and Andor's relationship and that talk they have when Andor comes home with money or credits, I should say, and he's yeah. like, "Let's get out of here! Like, pack your stuff, we're leaving." And Marva tells him that no, I am saying this is where I belong, and for once, I belong somewhere that you can't stay. Basically, like telling him that this is where we part, type of thing. And I thought that scene was so heartbreaking and so beautiful at the same time. Fiona Shaw in that scene, I loved their relationship, and that scene just solidified my feelings. <laughs> she was Marva. Less. She was hot, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> what makes that scene amazing, like you pointed out, is also seeing Diego Luna's reaction to her dialogue. Because mm-hmm. you can see in his face that he's coming to the realization that, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. Like, you're yeah. not, we're not leaving? Because in the beginning of the show, we go to flashbacks of him being a kid and showing how Marva found him because his family was wiped out by the empire. So he, he was found by Marva and raised by him. You can always tell that, you know, he 
loved her so much. Like that was his mother. No, yeah. she she didn't give birth to him, but she raised yeah, him. Yeah, they even refer to her as Cassian's mother throughout the show. It's never just their relationships. Never just like oh, his caretaker, or you know, like everyone kind of just refers to her as his mother. Okay, my first favorite moment is going to be the ending of episode six, the eye. That shot when they're escaping Aldani. Oh my god, stunning. <laughs> I I was my jaw was literally on the floor. Not only was it just visually spectacular, but also what I want to say magical, Mania. <laughs> That's the only thing I think of. Everything was magical. It really about was though. The colors and I know it, you said it, it wasn't just about the visual, but just the colors and how it got it's like a callback to what Kara said that oh from the ground it looks like a thousand star like a beautiful stars or whatever but up there when you're actually in it it's a war zone and we get to see that like the ship actually in that that episode I think was like a 10 out of 10 (laughs) so I'm gonna it's gonna seem like Marvel's my favorite character ever because my next scene actually has to do with her too and that's her speech at her own funeral she gives the most powerful speech that I was like, hell yeah, let's go fight some. <laughs> let's go fight the Empire. Let's go fight the Empire, yeah. Like, her speech inspired me. Like, I can't imagine, like, being one of those people in this world <laughs> listening to that. But, no, her funeral scene in general was one of my favorites. I just thought it was beautiful. And, again, her speech was very empowering and just powerful. And I just thought for this character to not be able to really fight when she was alive to be able to inspire these people to be her voice in her death was just yeah (laughs) great i love that scene i mean i i wanted to i was like i wanted to get up and find some kind of stick or something (laughs) get your pitchforks out (laughs) and you know what i found out a few days later it was reported that originally she says, fuck the empire. And but Disney, Disney can't have that. <laughs> Disney said no. It, you know how phenomenal it would have been if she would have said fuck the empire. It definitely but, would have amped up the power aspect. I'll give you that much. <laughs> I do think that they probably said no because they've never ever said a curse word <laughs> in Star Wars. So it would have been way out of left field to come in and be like, fuck. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, I because get think it, about but it. it been great. Yeah, and think about it. This is not a show that was really holding back from. There was stuff in there that actually shocked me that were in this. Like, again, very opening scene, he's in like a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another scene where this character, Beaks, goes to like her boyfriend's house and it's like very obvious what they're about to do. <laughs> so, I was actually shocked that they had these things in a Disney Plus show. What was your second standout part? And my, I'm just going to say my third. Both involve <laughs> monologues. <laughs> so my second one is going to be Andy Circus. His monologue in episode 10. I wrote on a story. You have to give this man some kind of Emmy. In the Emmy <laughs> Awards, they have a category for guests' appearance. So it's not like mm-hmm. a supporting actor. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a person who could come out in one episode for like 15 minutes and they'll give him an Emmy. That's a category. Right. I said, just give this man something. 
let me just play once one little piece because Go for it. it's so amazing. All right, for those who have seen the show, I'm sure this moment gave you as it did me goosebumps. There is one way out right now. The building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. There are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home in no time. One way out! One way out! Hey, Mania. That... <laughs> I want to be. I, I want to be with them trying to escape. <laughs> now, my next question about you know or Andy Circus's character is he dead? I want to say no because we see all these characters die. They sh they're not shying away from showing us. Like it's not they're not trying to stay away from the the gory details. But his death we don't see. We yeah. just see him say, "I can't swim," and stays behind. So I'm gonna say he's not dead. What do you yeah. think? It's such a 180 because five minutes prior, he's giving you this speech, inspiring everybody to get up and fight, fight these people. Let's go. We have to get out of here. This is our only chance. And then he's all, I can't swim. <laughs> and it was like, what? <laughs> no, you cannot do this to us. Yeah. And I'm assuming <laughs> he is not dead. If he can't swim, that is a far swim unless somebody like helps him. And you know what I liked about that scene too, that it was it was a little realistic because they didn't stare at each other for like five minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I can't swim. And Andor's like, what? And then boom, he's pushed into the water. Like it wasn't, he didn't have time to react to say, no, come on, let's go. I I, I got you. It, it was so like out of nowhere. Like, and I like that. I think he's still alive, but he didn't make it out of the prison i think he's still in there i hope they find a clever way to bring him back in season two because mm -hmm. i think he, he'll be a good person to have in the you know and squad so to yeah speak. <laughs> uh my third favorite moment would probably have to be the prison break like i can't even condense that down to one moment i liked from the prison break that yeah. entire them breaking out was such great moment in tv i would say in general I felt like I was in that prison with those characters and I wanted to break out with them. <laughs> That's how I felt watching that, that scene in general. Okay, so my last or my third favorite moment is going to be Luthen's speech slash monologue, episode 10. And he is talking to a double agent that we did not know who was a double agent played by Robert Ems. And he plays Supervisor Lonnie. And we see him traveling to this under or their city belly of Coruscant and he's in this cool little elevator and that whole shot and that whole sequence was great because you realize that he's he's been working with the rebellion this whole time and he's saying you know what? I got to get out because I can't be living this life anymore I just became a father I, I can't do this and then he tells Luthen you don't know anything about so what have you sacrificed and then let me tell you, Mania, you know already that yeah, I know. Skarsgård gives one of the best speeches I've heard this year in any show. 
I'm not going to play the whole speech, but so let me just give you all a little taste of it. I, I, I don't want to play the 90 seconds of the monologue. <laughs> I'm going to give you like 30 seconds, but it's just so inspiring. And the way he delivers it is just award winning, I think. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I look down, there's no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Oh, I shudder. I shudder. Holy shit. Just the, and also when you see the location and the lighting and the music in the background, it just makes everything, everything awesome. It had my jaw drop after he was done because the whole time, as much as I love Stellan Skarsgård in the show, he was kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this guy's a jerk. And then he gives that speech and I'm like, oh, okay, you're still a jerk, but I kind of get it better now. <laughs> yeah, his whole character, the facade of him being an antique dealer and that antique shop is so cool because there is the room or the setting where it gives all us hardcore nerds of Star Wars that, oh my God, look, look, they're not telling you, you, you have to like pause it and go, oh, that's from this, that's mm -hmm. from Rebels, that's from clone wars a little artifacts and they're just there on uh, for you to see it but they're not talking about it so that's why i was cool about it the way he can transition from that oh he's so happy antique dealer to leader one of the leaders of the rebellion yeah was really impressive and that speech alone of just you never hear those words in star wars you know there's so many great lines that luthan does the one that like is like holy shit when he says, I am condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. That is just like incredible writing. And again, this is a Star Wars yeah. Disney Plus show. Yeah, it didn't need to, not that it didn't need to go that hard, but I'm so glad they did. <laughs> and that's why you know, I'm telling people, watch the show and I know people are reluctant, like, well, oh, this is, sounds boring and too much dialogue. And where are the Jedis? And where's Tatooine? <laughs> where's... <laughs> Let's do you a know, tally count, count of uh, how many times you said Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Also, I just, I just remembered that episode seven, I think, we see a droid. And we're like, oh, my God, it's K2SO. Oh, you didn't see Rogue One. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I was like, sure. I know which one you're talking about, though. Anyway, yeah. one of the most beloved droids ever. And I was just happy that it wasn't him. It was just okay. just a regular droid. He, I know that he's going to come out next season, but I was just happy that he wasn't thrown in and being, you know, Andor's sidekick so quickly. So anyway, it was nice yeah. to see that droid anyway. <laughs> I keep forgetting that you didn't watch the movie. Yeah. Because I thought you were like, know. oh, yeah. I have a feeling, though, for our May the 4th episode, I'm going to have to end up watching it 
and not wait for season two of Andor. <laughs> I think we're going to talk more about Andor when we do our special Star Wars podcast. That's going to be a big one. I think that's going to be like a two-parter, I feel. Mm, I'm and, okay uh, with that. <laughs> before we finish the discussion on Andor, just a quick little uh, did you knows. Uh, season two started filming last month in London. And it was confirmed by the creator, Tony Gilroy, that it would come out sometime in 2024. It first was slated for next year. So I think they pushed it back to 2024. All right, Yay. let's go to <laughs> let's go to uh, the real recommendations and to a moment that I think I need to capture an, an audio and share it in our page somehow. I got to figure that out. And that's the moment when I found out that Manya had not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally <laughs> uh, lost for words. I was like staring into like space and thinking like, what am I going to say to this person? That... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, how do I, I wanna... tell her I no longer want you as a co-host? <laughs> yeah, I was already like, hmm, who's going to be the next host? <laughs> Just wanted to let everybody know it's not when this movie came out in 1981, it wasn't called Indiana Jones. It was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, now that we've 40 years, almost 40 years later, it's just so used to saying Indiana Jones and the Raiders, but <laughs> it came out. It's just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Uh, Temple of Doom. It was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And then, you know, everybody right. started saying that. So on. Okay. So you mentioned also that. Tommy Why am I the... nervous? Okay. <laughs> you also mentioned that Tommy had bought the 4K, the Blu-ray, the everything like you could watch Correct. it. Yeah. So did you watch it with him? I did. Okay. He, he actually did he, watched it was he excited that I made you? I made you. <laughs> okay. So right after we record, you did make me because I had to. Yeah. <laughs> to be okay, to be fair, this this is a movie that has been in my list. It just I keep putting it off because there's so much new stuff coming out. But so after we were done recording, I was like, well, you'll be happy. He's like, why? I was like, so I have to watch Indiana Jones before Saturday. <laughs> And I was like, oh, and he got super excited. And I was like, and you're going to be really happy knowing what the next real recommendation will be to me. <laughs> and I said, Goodfellas. And he got, he was like, hell yeah. He's like, just curious. What do you think Goodfellas is about? And I told him and he's like, oh, you're so wrong. So Tony, he has a newfound appreciation for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh... these are movies he's been trying to get me to watch. And I always, I'm like, ah, I don't know, not in the mood tonight. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, hmm, I should just DM him and have him give me a list. That'll be my recommendations. That'll be easier. Hey, you guys could definitely secretly work together. Just don't tell me. Okay. So you put on, was this like a watch it at night? Let's get the popcorn. Let's get everything perfectly ready to watch. Yeah, this. we actually had like a whole dinner set up ready. Um, we had our drinks and we popped in the 4k i had to watch this in 4k and i'm so glad i actually waited because this 4k restoration was so good and okay i'm just gonna start talking about the movie yeah this is a movie that aged really well like everything in it still holds and watching it in 4k it really felt like it was filmed like 20 years ago and that's it <laughs> like did you notice a super super young alfred molina yes okay <laughs> <laughs> and also when you're done watching 
the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm assuming that that 4K. Yeah, it has uh, all has, three of them. Mm-hmm. Has all the behind the scenes doc. Okay. Oh, that yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch all that after you watch. All okay. Three. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. So long story short, I did really, really like this movie a lot. I thought the two main characters, which was Indiana and Marion, had such great chemistry. And just, I don't know if you ever played the Uncharted games, but it's literally my favorite game of all time. I keep saying literally, but (laughs) Uncharted 2 is my probably my favorite game of all time. Everyone always compared the two together. Like, oh, this is like a modern Indiana Jones. So Watching this, it felt like the live action of the Uncharted movie that we didn't get with Tom Holland. <laughs> this movie, you know how when you talk about Sorcerer Stone, you're like, it's so magical. <laughs> this is movie is magical to me. I think everything about it, the adventure, the the music, <laughs> so amazing. Oh my god, the music! It's just like it's one of those that when it came on, my mind instantly went to Disneyland, right? <laughs> And and this uh, story or this character had been with Lucas for a long time. He actually wanted to make this movie in the 70s, but he shelved it. <laughs> Indiana, he came up. Actually, the, the original name was going to be Indiana Smith. And you're like, well, that doesn't have the... Well, you never know, but it's just so generic. But even Jones has got... But it just has a better... Yeah, it has a better flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indiana Jones. But he got the name Indiana because of his dog. His dog's name is Indiana. <laughs> That's cute. And uh, a quick little quick little trivia. I don't know, because I freaking watched that behind the scenes so much that it's like ingrained in my head. <laughs> they originally casted Tom Selleck. That's what they wanted to play Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. And you could actually see the the a rehearsal with the casting with him and Karen Allen, who plays Marion. He didn't do it because he went to do on uh, Magnum PI. So Lucas in the, I've seen a lot of interviews with him, and also when you see that behind the scenes documentary, he was hell bent on not having Harrison Ford play Indiana Jones because Spielberg had uh, suggested it, and he goes, you know what? He's already been in four of my movies because he, <laughs> uh, no, actually three because at the making they hadn't done Return of the Jedi. He's talking about American Graffiti. He was in. Yeah. Ford was doing he was helping out with the audition process he was reading uh side by side with all the actresses mm-hmm. and <laughs> Steven's like he's just it let's just <laughs> pick him what's the problem yeah. so anyway that's how uh Harrison Ford was casted in the movie it was yeah. kind of like well he's there he's doing it is but... this is this your favorite uh Spielberg movie oh no okay I think it's no, like no 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 no, no. no. Maybe if you asked me when I was growing up, but <laughs> I love the the fact that we're in the 30s. I love the fact mm-hmm. that they're against the Nazis, the characters of Salah, who's played by John Reese Davis, is so good. He plays Gimli in The Lord of the Rings. Let's talk about, okay, what were your favorite parts of the movie? That's a hard question, only because I feel like I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Uh, obviously, the part where it's like, I'm saying obviously because I feel like it was a huge part of the movie, but he's kind of in like that underground area with all the snakes. Yeah. That was probably the most standout part for me. And just how they broke out of that area also, I really liked. Um, I thought the car chase was really cool at the end. That snake. Oh, let me go back to that snake okay, thing. Sorry. Because that, <laughs> what trivia you, do you if, have for us? <laughs> if you pause it in the right mode, you can see a reflection. And obviously, 
you know, there wasn't you make that movie now, you just CGI the snake. Right. You can't do that in 1980 when they're mm -hmm. making this movie. So they have this glass in, in front. Oh, okay. It's like a reflection. I, yeah. And did you know, did you see the reflection? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's how good it was. Like, you have to like see it, know it. Yeah. And then I like that car chase at the end a lot too. I thought it was actually really well shot. If we're talking about three scenes I like, probably the opening, very opening scene too, because you get a feel for what this movie is going to be like just from that opening scene alone. And it sets up the villain for you and he comes back. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I, I did enjoy that opening scene. And you see young Alfred Molino. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's there to not like? The one scene that I can watch over and over again is when people from the army show up mm -hmm. to the school and he has to explain, you know, what the arc is. And he's uh -huh. like explaining in, 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 the, in the chalkboard. And he's like, well, you never went to Sunday school? Oh, yeah. He's like, you never and, uh, <laughs> and he's all, yeah. if you believe in any other stuff, I, I love that scene. It's just mm -hmm. kind of a, it's exposition done so well. You know, it's not like they show you on his board and you're watching it. As oh, I just love that scene. It just it sets all the stuff up. And, you yeah. know, the scene when how they introduced Marion in her bar. And, and mm -hmm. was it uh, Budapest? I forgot where it was. Oh, it was in Nepal, I believe. Nepal, yeah. Nepal, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's just out drinking everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that scene too, like after they vacate her bar and the Nazis come in and kind of attack her. That scene was really good too. It's hard to pick scenes you like when the whole movie is kind of just action-packed in the best way possible <laughs> one scene <laughs> that's really mm -hmm. funny it's um has um the guy his name is ronald lacy he's like a one of the high art high-ranking nazis he comes in into the the tent where marion is mm -hmm. and our villain uh belloc and he whips out this thing that looks like this torture device <laughs> and then, oh yeah <laughs> It's, and he's just a coat hanger. Yeah, it's for his jacket. I thought <laughs> or was, like, yeah. That's <laughs> so brilliant. And of course, we have one of the most famous scenes ever is when the guy does this ballet with his sword and then he just shoots him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the most famous scenes ever in Indiana uh, Jones. All right, Mania, how about we rate this bad boy? <laughs> um. So after it was done, Tommy turned to me and he goes, five out of five, right? <laughs> And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? What's wrong with it? I was like, nothing's wrong with it. But the fact that from all Spiel Spielberg movies, I would say I like Jaws more than this. Yeah. This this goes to show that I do think there are Spielberg movies better than this one. So I, in the end, I ended up giving it four and a half. Okay. So have yeah, you seen so. um, Schindler's List, Saving Pirate Ryan? I've seen parts of saving private right have you seen but um, yeah et yes okay do you like et better than indiana um that's a jurassic, hard question jurassic park? i definitely like this way more than jurassic park okay yeah but this was honestly really good i, I enjoyed it thoroughly and i would watch it again and can't wait to watch the other two so yeah i, I don't want to mm -hmm. give a rating i just this is in my top mm -hmm. 100 i've pretty much watched this every year mm -hmm. for the longest and so anyway um <laughs> why don't we go to your next recommendation for me which we'll, we'll talk about in our christmas episode which oh. is coming up the week of christmas can i safely assume 
that this recommendation has something to do with Christmas? Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> so I honestly have no idea if you're going to like this movie or not. <laughs> it could go either way because I've never met somebody who's in between with this movie, but it's a horror musical Christmas movie <laughs> called Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. And, you talked about that. Yeah. And it is. Oh, okay, streaming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if for our listeners who want to watch it and join along on the conversation for our next episode then it is streaming on shutter if you have a shutter account it's free on there but it's also available to rent on all the major platforms amazon voodoo all that stuff but yeah so i'm gonna have you watch anna and the apocalypse i don't know how you feel about musicals <laughs> i know how you feel about horror but I... a musical horror that's kind of interesting i like musicals a horror musical christmas movie <laughs> We'll see. We'll see which way you go because even in the horror community, it's very like the like a movie that's divided. So, all right. So I'm gonna I'll make sure to watch that and see what it's all about. <laughs> um, is this something like a cult classic? I for think like horror fans. Uh, kinda, because I do think people who love this movie really truly love it, like myself, and I've been watching it every Christmas for the past three years. So okay, yeah. All right, well, that's cool. And be sure to check out our previous episode where Tony interviewed William Atticus Parker. And if you guys would like to follow us on social media, then you can head on to Instagram. Our username is the underscore real spotlight. And we have a link tree that will link you to all our other platforms. And whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really appreciate it if you could take a few seconds to rate, comment, save the episodes. Whatever you think will benefit us, we would really, really appreciate it. I'm really excited for our next episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really fun. We'll be talking about Christmas, holiday movies, and the good ones, the awful ones, the cheesy <laughs> ones. You're one that you recommended to me, so I can't wait for that. But thank you guys for listening to episode 15 of The Real Spotlight. So until next time, peace out. <laughs>